Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. We tackle the issues facing our sector through the ideas and stories of industry founders, leaders, and tech enthusiasts. On today's podcast, we are talking to Tom McGillicuddy. That's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> he is the co-founder of Ticker. Um, but before that, let's have a quick chat with Jack, who's back from his, I don't know, ninth holiday of the year. No, first holiday of the year. I was away for business the last two times for work. Yeah, so this was in business. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, not, well, yeah. That makes it sound a lot more important than it actually was. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, back from holiday, came back, managed to catch the second innings of what was the best game of cricket ever. It was certainly, um, it was incredible. Look, I, I, I said to you on, on a message this morning, I've played cricket since the age of nine. I've mm-hmm. captained sides at university level, club level, not an exceptional standard, but I played reasonable club cricket and I've played some village cricket. I've never seen a game, like I've loved cricket my whole life and I've never seen a match like that. I, I didn't know... I'd never heard of a super over before. And then, you know, the, the game was so finely poised and so evenly matched that it went down to the last one and the actual scores were tied. It's just, it's just incredible. Um, and as I said to you, you know, I got into cricket via the 2005 ashes and, mm-hmm. you know, there was as much drama in one afternoon as there was in a whole five match test series. And it was a wonderful team of diverse young men who just absolutely yeah, smashed Irishmen, it. West Indian, South Africans. It's a wonderful yeah. <laughs> I know. And it, did you see, uh, did you see Reese Mogg's tweet? No. Oh, idiot, idiot. He's like, we don't need Europeans to win the cricket. Uh-huh. Our captain was born in Dublin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's actually a really nice guy as well. Cause he, funnily enough, he, he, he spent a, a short stint at the club that I played for in London called Bronsbury. Uh, oh. and he, he bought one of his early cars when he first moved to the UK off one of the guys who'd been at the club for a long time. Everyone speaks of Owen as like, he's just a lovely, lovely guy. And that was before he was a pro cricketer. Effectively. He was like Middlesex twos at the time. So yeah, obviously. Coolest customer in the game. Coolest customer. But what I loved, and this will be very quick and then we'll go on to the interview, is that it really was a good advert for cricket. Like, yep. the, the final overs were nuts. Yep. Actually, it wasn't crash-bang wallet cricket. It was a nope. real slow burner. And the I- innings that, you know, Joss Butler and Ben Stokes coming together at 83 for four, I think. My father-in-law, mm-hmm. who's not a big cricket fan, was like saying, oh, well, that's it, it's all over. And I was saying, well, it only takes a partnership. And it was brilliant how those two had to fight and live very um, fortuitously at times. But that was mm-hmm. proper cricket as well. It was, it was great cricket. I've got goosebumps again. I've got goosebumps again. It was oh, fantastic. Anyway, enough of that. Apart from the fact that, yes, world champions. Uh, <laughs> let's get on to our interview with Tom. No, no kind of tenuous link here. Uh, I'm afraid, but um, this is definitely worth sticking around for. Uh, Tom's interview, uh, he is the co-founder of Ticker. Afterwards, myself and Jack will have some short news and comment. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But here's Tom. So today we're chatting to Tom. Tom, you're the co-founder of Ticker. Yep. You're the man with the shortest commute in London. I am. I, am, <laughs> I, I uh, live in the office, so my commute is about five seconds. In the it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a flat. I'll be perfect. Maybe it does more. It, it doesn't feel like a flat round there either, actually. It is, it, but it doesn't strictly feel just like an office either. It's a, like a, kind of like a hybrid 
yeah. space. You would never live in this space if it, if it was your flat because it's like a structureless like room. It's quite nice though. It's I mean, nice. It's airy and it's big. It's nice, yeah. It's, I mean, we were in an office before this when there was a smaller team and it was um, an internal office. It had no natural yeah. lighting. It felt like you were in a hospital ward and uh, obviously the team wanted to move to somewhere with a bit of, uh, there was some natural lighting and some fresh air. And then we found this space because it's a live work unit. Yeah. And the, the people that were in here before was a film studio and the, the head of the film studio lived in the bedroom at the back. Right, okay. So, so around there there's a bedroom and an office. Um, so, I mean, I am fine with it. I think most people would find it like living hell. We but, might we might come back to this because I think it's interesting, <laughs> and especially given the trend, obviously, for co-working spaces and yeah, yeah, successful we work. It's yeah, interesting yeah. why I've made the choices you made. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into that, <laughs> yeah. what is Ticker? So Ticker is uh, an impact investment app designed to engage uh, first-time investors. And impact investing is basically uh, investments made into companies to earn a financial return, but also to have a positive social and environmental impact at the same time. So trying to prove to people that you can do both. Um, and we've specifically designed it for younger people, people who've never invested before, using impact investing as the as the tool, as the hook to bring them to invest because they feel more comfortable with it, because they kind of understand it, because it's framed in a, in a totally different way. So you and you, you've got one other co-founder, yeah, Matt. Yeah, Matt Latham, yeah. Yeah, how do you know Matt? So Matt and I met um, on the first day of Barclays Graduate Scheme in 2011. We, right. actually, we actually lived together for the first eight weeks of our trading program in Canary Wharf. Mm -hmm. And they put the two northerners in a, in a shared flat and assumed we would get along, and we did. Whereabouts the north is he from? He's from Liverpool, I'm from uh, Wigan in Greater Manchester. So right. He's a Liverpool fan, I'm a Man United fan, but we, we, that's the only thing. Put we it to, we, us, we to one about. side <laughs> for two, two, two occasions yeah, a year yeah, type yeah. thing. Exactly, so we, we met, we, we, you know, we got along um, straight away. And uh, Matt spent his uh, eight-year eight career at Barclays the whole time. I left yeah. after three years, but we stayed in touch. And we, you know, we were, we, were, we were best friends before we started this. Mm. So that, that's, that's helped. And um, how did the idea then come about? Because you've obviously mm. got that shared experience from Barclays. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's a jump going from, yeah, no. especially for Matt, if he's got an eight-year career, yeah. I'm not saying that it's any less of a jump for you, but if no, he's been in... It is actually more of a jump for Matt as well because he's, he's married and has, a, has a, a mortgage and two kids. Right. So, and I don't have any of those things as well. So, But it tends to be that thing, isn't it? Once you get into a job and you've been there for a few years, it's yeah. it's quite difficult sometimes to make that jump. I think it is. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you the background of how, of how it came about and then, but it was it was important for us to do it when we did it because if we'd probably stayed there a year or two longer we'd have been too tied in yeah i think the whole time that we were both in finance i had it in my back of my mind and so did matt that at some point we'd do this so we were saving money and we were we were not locking ourselves into any like big mortgages or anything like that because we knew at some point we'd like to pull out and do something so yep. we've kind of always had it in our minds years before this became an actual fully formed idea but how it came about was so I left um, Barkers after three years and I was initially I was going to leave finance altogether because I've kind of become disillusioned with what I was doing and um, the climate became an issue that became prevalent to me for, for a reason that I really don't know um, but I didn't know what leaving finance meant and I didn't know which companies in the climate change sector could you would use my skills you know they wouldn't you know I'd done some like investment um, banking wealth management Mm. qualifications and experience so I didn't have anything relevant to offer those companies so I got given um, a job spec by a recruiter for a company called Wellington Management and then about 18 interviews later which is like the normal policy I uh, had a job and I joined and, and I was really just using that as a stopgap to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life and what, what were you doing for them so I did I joined Wellington to do um, institutional sales so basically 
uh, asset raising for their funds to UK pension funds, basically. So I would go to the pension funds and pitch for investment, and then they would invest in Wellington's suite of hedge funds and asset managed funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when, when someone comes into your office and goes, we're going to have an ag- aggressive or medium risk kind of pension plan and then they go and invest it. It's, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, fine. exactly. So I was, I was I was, like a salesperson, basically. That's why yeah. I joined. But when I first joined, my few days after joining, I got um, I met a guy in, in one of the lifts, a guy called Eric Rice, who was based in San Francisco and he was visiting London. And in the 30-second lift journey, he told me he was working on this idea um, for an impact investment fund, but impact investing as a phrase didn't really exist. It's like 2013, 14. Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I'd left it when you when you said it yeah. Initially, it's not something that I fully understand. No, no. I mean, if you, if you look, I, I was talking about this. <coughs> if you look at the Google Trend uh, words for impact investing, it started. It was nothing, and then 2013, 14, it just started to rise, and now it's kind of exploded in the area of uh, finance and investment in the, in those publications. In the general public dialogue, it's still. It's still not, you know, it's not, it's not a commonly understood phrase. Which must be a challenge for you and your business because the audience that you're targeting yeah. isn't the educated finance audience. Exactly. And I think we need, there's a job for us to own that phrase in the long term, but in right. the short to medium term, whilst we're still building our brand and profile, we need to just pick apart what that is. So it's mm. investing in companies that are trying to solve world problems. People understand that sentence. That means impact investing. So there's ways for us to communicate around it before that phrase becomes the established phrase that we are. So someone comes onto the ticket platform, mm-hmm. I assume it's an app? Yes, it is an app. Yeah. Well, app only at the moment, yeah. Right. Um, Android and iOS? Android and iOS, yeah. So someone comes onto the platform mm-hmm. and then there's a list of companies that you guys have, have vetted that are going through a funding round mm-hmm. that are have a social, positive social impact in some way. Yeah, well, it's not that they're going through a funding round. It's at, at, at the moment and, and probably for, for, for a while in the future, it's publicly listed companies. So right. the fund that I, and the, so the, the, the story of me meeting Eric was that he told me about this fund he was trying to get off the ground. I then said to him, um, I, can I, can I, this, this is what I want to do. It was the, it was the marrying of, I want, I care about the climate. Mm. I also have these financial services skills. Could I come and work with you in some way on this fund? And then um, what he actually needed in, in the interim was someone to find him some affordable housing companies to invest in. Right. But the companies in the portfolio were all listed global companies, so companies that are, have IPO'd and on the stock, stock market. So that's kind of, we've taken that approach and, and created a, a retail user experience around it. So in the background, we've built portfolios of companies, um, companies that are linked to the themes and issues that you've selected in the sign-up process. Okay, so... I suppose the interesting point to pick up on first would be how do you engage your potential users? Mm. Because there's so many different apps out there. There's so many different investing platforms. It's Mm -hmm. something that if someone's not overly familiar with in the first place, they're probably gonna go to names that they've maybe heard of. Mm -hmm. So how do you get them onto Ticker and make them aware of of what is on offer? Yeah, I think with us, what's distinct about us is we are focused on impact investing and the reason why it captured me into that kind of investing was the narrative around it. Mm. So you are investing in areas that you already believe in, that you care about, and companies that are addressing problems that have some kind of um, have some kind of connection to you. So everyone has a climate or social issue that, that matters to them. So we use a language that no other investment app has ever used before. So yeah. the, the, the general way of, of selling an investment app is it's easy to use, it's cheap, uh, and, you, and you talk about risk and return. All those things are true with us still, but we talk about the issues and connecting your finances with what you believe in. You know, I think it's especially prevalent to the generation that is our target demographic initially because they're thinking about the material on the shoes, where the foods come from, 
And it's just an extension of that. It's what is my money doing? Can I align it with what I believe in? That's that's the language that we use. So we, we talk a lot about user experience now mm. and technology. It's obviously such yeah. an important thing where kind of technology, that UX piece where technology and marketing yeah. has converged, right? Yeah. So how how does it, how is that represented in the app? Can someone kind of, they invest in a company that's got some social good and they, they begin to see how that might be helping the planet exactly. or helping the, that's, that thing that they care about? That's the um, exact future of the in-app and out-of-app experience is that someone will download the app, select the theme that they care about and they, they then they enter the in-app experience and they get sent a story of a specific company and maybe a specific family that's benefited from that investment. Right. So it really brings to life why they're doing because we have something that we want to do that other investment apps don't want to do. We want to be totally transparent because you can be proud of what you're investing in with us whereas other investment products will hide it in the background because they don't really want you to know what's going on in the background. We yeah. are the opposite. We want you to shout about what you're doing because it's something you can be proud of. And I think that is the engagement piece. You know, our, our hypothesis is that um, people will not, people don't want their investments just to be sitting in the background, something mm-hmm. they don't understand. I think if they were proud of it, they, will, they would engage with it um, like they do with other areas of their life. So um, yeah, it's the understanding of the positive impact that you're having around the world that will be the in-app experience and the out-of-app experience and our entire brand in the future. So um. Building a startup <laughs> where you're living in house almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's that been kind of building the team? Because what, you're 16? Yeah, no. 50, yeah f- uh, 15, 15. 15 yeah. people at the minute, yeah, but yeah. you're split across London, you're remote, yeah. and you're Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, not without its challenges because, you know, in January we were, we were, <coughs> we were four people. Um, and obviously the, the past few months the team's expanded quite, quite rapidly. Um, but we... I think what we've benefited from versus some other companies is that everyone who's come here... So first of all, we wouldn't have been able to build the team that we've built if we were just an investment app. Mm-hmm. So people have taken like 50, 75% pay cuts to come work for us because we have a social mission that they can t- attach themselves have you, to. Have you looked for people with that financial services experience as well? Or absolutely is that not. not. Absolutely right, not. Okay. There's only two people in the team with financial services experience. It's Matt and me. Right. I think it's important that we don't have that. Because I think if we had everyone from financial services working in, uh, working for us, we'd probably just build an app that appealed to people that had worked in financial services, yes. which is exactly what we're not trying to do. So every every single piece of language that we use, every, every piece of design that we put in the app comes from a non-financial services person. So if they can understand it, our yeah. target user can understand it. I mean, it's great hearing you say people are taking 70, 70% pay cuts to come here. Yeah. Mission and purpose are powerful. I get that. Yeah. Well, what are the other trade-offs though? Because you must have to offer either equity or flexibility. How, have you thought about yes. the culture, the environment mm. to kind of go, yeah, look, we're doing some good, but at the same time, there's that trade-off, isn't there, between doing good and also looking after your family, looking after oh, the finances. 100%. Future. I mean, that is you know, only those, we, we don't ask anyone to take a pay cut. Some people want to and can. Right. So not everyone can. We never go into a discussion with someone saying the only way you can come and work is if you take a 70% pay cut. It's never the case. Some people can afford it, some people can't. And everyone's entitled to equity. So yeah. something that Matt and I have been conscious is of, of not doing or doing is we don't want to recreate the things that we didn't like about the corporate world. Yeah. So ownership, literal ownership is, is exceptionally important to make everybody in the team an owner because everyone's then fighting in the same way, pulling in the same direction. So we make everybody um, an equity owner of the company after a certain amount of time, after like a probationary period. It's yeah. very, very important. Um, so yeah, so even though there's a few examples of people taking huge, you know, big pay cuts, that's like a, just a show of intent. Yeah. And it's our intent for them not to have, not to be below their market salary for more than a certain amount of time at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, and everyone's aligned with equity. And then the culture is just radically different from the environments that we used to work in because we believe, we have exceptionally high 
um, goals that we're trying to achieve that you probably wouldn't have in a corporate environment. We also like to have a good time, which yeah. also you don't tend to find in too many corporate environments. So um, it's a fun place to work. It's a very happy team, um, but we're all we're all we are. It's. Uh, and it, we need an incredible amount of output to achieve what we're, we're trying to achieve. So if we can create an environment where people can, can do that, then that's what my nice job is. Last, last quick question. Mm. Um, you're obviously from the Northwest. I am. Does it matter to you whether you're seen as a London company or a company from the Northwest and championing the region? Or is that just something that maybe other people attach to you? You know, Matt, Matt, Matt and I are both from the Northwest and there's nothing more than we'd love to do as a spill out of what we're doing here than create like a FinTech startup scene in, in the Northwest. So if we were at a Liverpool office and it's, in the inten- it's the intention to grow the Liverpool base um, mm. to be the same size as the London base. When we were starting this out last summer, obviously I'm in London and Matt's in Liverpool, we were agnostic about where we started to hire people and where we started to find funding from. Yeah. But it just became the case, just the sheer size of this place, that the availability of talent and the availability of funding tends to be here. It's easier to find here. Here being London. Here in London yeah, yeah. than it is in Liverpool. Having said that, now we've started to um, have a bit of presence in London and in Liverpool. There's funding sources in the Northwest that we, that we can tap into. And there's a lot of talent in the Northwest as well. Um, but it just takes a little bit longer to find them. Because they're they're in they work for bigger companies, they're in more stable jobs. There's more of a startup scene down here, so people are willing to come and work for a startup that's new. Yeah. Um, but it's our intention to go look. But so how we're seen? Well, I think we'll have to be. We'll always be seen as both. Um, but Matt and I are from the northwest, and there's nothing more that we would like than to build a, a northwest fintech business. Yeah. Well, look, it's been lovely to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time this morning. I appreciate and, uh, it. Yes, I hope this good weather continues. Yeah, yeah, finally arrived. I hope so. I hope your hay fever uh, comes oh, down. God, yeah. <laughs> I've been to a lot of talks recently where we talk about the importance of UX and how UX and customer experience is very much at the heart of everything that tech companies have to think about now. I love that the in-app experience, the UX and the brand come together so beautifully here. Um, That story of what's going on with with your money, you know, and and having something that you're proud of and wanting to shout about. I think there's a real nice simplicity about this. I mean, in a time where you've got tech companies aren't really trusted and big financial institutes aren't really trusted, it's nice to see, you know, a blend of the two um, solely designed uh, with a strong mission statement um, to, to make you spend your money in what you believe in. You know, the, the two key questions that potential users ask themselves, as Tom was saying, is what is my money doing and can I align it to what I believe in? And it's fantastic. I mean, it... Do you know what I always think is the sign of a great startup is when you go, oh, fuck, why didn't I think of that? And it's just that, you know, this is this is such a relatively simple idea, but one that's born out of a, a really wholesome um, and lovely point of view. There's not as much investment from the VC community mm. um, into uh, B Corp startups, right? Because there's mm-hmm. this suspicion that maybe they're not scalable. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, I was having a chat last week with Bethnal Green Ventures and they said, no, we focus on tech because we have the belief that tech companies, all tech companies are scalable. Um, now, if people are investing in sustainable businesses because they believe in them, that's only going to give that whole um, dynamic a shot in the arm and confidence mm. that actually all of these businesses are sustainable, that people want to put their money into them, that they grow because, you know, you want to you go, you know... I, I could put my money into uh, a company that makes cheap clothing 
in a in a country with great margins and whatever else, and it might be a great investment. I don't know. You can probably tell I'm not great in investments here. Well, no, he's your man about it. <laughs> um, but you know, you'd rather go. You know what? I'm investing in this business because it does this for this this group of people over here, and that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, it's gonna get people who aren't that bothered about investing investing. You know, yeah. it's it's something that has never appealed to me. You know, investment and even cryptocurrency and stuff like that. It's too much of a minefield, too much of a risk. But you know, if you can find on on this wonderfully uh, amazing platform, you know, something that you believe in. You know, I donate X amount of money to Battersea dogs and cats home every month i see that as an investment because you know it's really good charity it's mm. and it, it, you know this is it reminds me of it, that it, it's, i mean we're not we're, we're not talking about charities here and we shouldn't kind of no. think about these businesses as charities because you know you, you talk you talk to a company like olio and um yep. they Profit are with purpose. And, and, and they're like we are absolutely not a charity we don't want people mm -hmm. to make that that mistake we are a business but you can get the same kick as an individual yep. from investing in a business like that as you might in a charity yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you do donate to charity, some of that money does go towards running the business. They're, they're two different things, oh, but, you know, it's profit with purpose. It's, it's an amazing way of, uh, of utilizing and spending your, your disposable income, um, of which links back to another point I want to make about uh, Matt, Matt and Tom, uh, ironically, my cousin's names as well. But anyway, um, about, how, you know, they're different backgrounds and, and, and lives you know tom the, the co-founder married kids mortgage but tom doesn't have that you know so it's much more of a risk for matt to have got there with you know his money and, and where he's coming from and you know tom lives in the office which dave you need to explain the office a bit better to, to, to myself and the listeners <laughs> by, by, because by the way, all yeah. i can see is a futon in an office at the moment <laughs> no no so it's a thing kind of um think like a loft conversion that's been opened up oh cool yeah, I think it's a really nice space. I've just thought, though, there was a tenuous link to the cricket. Go on. It's a slow burner. This is years in the making. Just like that innings was a slow burner, and it hotted up to the end. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. We should have thought about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, no, but we often think of, um, you kind of have this light bulb moment, and, oh, there's the idea, and brilliant. That's my business. And absolutely not the case, you know. They were, they were friends from the first day of that grad scheme. As you rightly say, Matt, he's now married. He's got a mortgage. He's got two kids. It's, it's a leap. But this is, this is years in the making. And I think for yeah. that, it's more robust. Just like the cricket, you know, they crashed out of the, the 2015 World Cup. And it's been four years in the making. You know, Matt and Tom met each other, like you say, first day of the grad scheme. And they've, they've snowballed this idea ever since. And, you know, if there's ever, ever an example of an elevator pitch that's just phenomenally inspirational, it is when, when Matt had a 30-second candid conversation with Eric in the, in the lift, you know. Yeah, yeah. These, these small moments, these almost serendipitous moments that, that, that some people would disregard, you know, also have a knock-on effect to create a, a startup platform. Last point I'd like to make, very quick one. Uh, we obviously are familiar with the fact that there's a, a very um, big startup culture in London. Uh, and he talks about the availability of talent. And it, it's the availability of talent. I, I get the impression because there's a mindset where people are happier to take that leap. Uh, and he talks about the fact that the Northwest has talent, but companies are bigger. Jobs are more mm -hmm. stable. It's just that people aren't in that mindset to make the jump. And I think, I think that's really interesting. Um, because people often shy away from the thought of building a business, say, in Liverpool, because they kind of go, well, is the, is the, is the talent there? Absolutely, it's there, but it's, it's getting it into the mindset of people that these are exciting opportunities, that they should take the risk, 
to join and to and to help drive forward and you know it's it's built into their culture if you believe in the platform if you believe in the app you you know you're going to get equity in that you know so the risk is there but this the, the ticker is entire entirely built on belief you know if you believe in a company you can invest in it if you believe in ticker you can get equity to work there you know it's it's a beautiful cycle of of belief and hope and, and positivity and you know and and tom made the point that i'd never considered before you know the talent is up in the northwest and northeast but you know they're in stable jobs they're in these you know big corporations mm. and things like that and it, it's gonna take anyone you know a bit of a jump and a bit of a, a push in the right direction to, to leave that hub and that that security but you know if you've got startups that are rewarding that that jump in in equity then i think it's uh, it's only a good thing yeah and it's it's you know we, we need to give them a platform we need to be vocal about there are guys out there and they're looking to hire people in liverpool and they've got this fantastic platform and join them yeah i mean if only there was you know a podcast out there that was helping companies like this oh no, wait no, that's no. us <laughs> <laughs> on that rather self-congratulatory note let's have an advert break meta <laughs> <laughs> and when we come back um we're going to be talking amazon prime day it's nearly the summer holidays but school isn't quite out because general assembly a pioneer in education and career transformation specializing in today's most in-demand skills have an offer for you so ga offer a wide range of programs in web development data science, user experience design, digital marketing, product management, and lots more. And for you, for our listeners, they've got an offer of 25% off their classes and workshops by applying the code TECHTALKS25 at the checkout. There are some terms and conditions. They asked me to ramp them. Frankly, that's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the code is valid until August the 31st. And it's not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Once the code's applied, workshop tickets are non-transferable. The discount code cannot be retroactively applied to workshop tickets already purchased or used in conjunction with other discount codes. One thing, as a former technology recruiter, I can tell you that there's a real shortage of some of these skills in the market. So with all this beautiful weather that we're having, I reckon there are far worse uses of your time than getting down there and doing a bit of continuous learning. Right, Jack, thinking about sustainable investments uh, and mm -hmm. impact investing, uh, should we be buying into Amazon Prime Day? Today? Oh, don't, David, don't, because I've already got like £100 worth of items sitting in my basket at the moment. Rosie and I deliberate whether we should oh. buy an iPad. It's, yeah, it's, but you know... I don't need any of these things, but alas, yeah, the iPad, we're going to have to have a serious discussion tonight because we want so one. Can you get it somewhere else? Like so in Minnesota, for example, workers at an Amazon warehouse are planning a six hour work stoppage to, yeah. to demand safer conditions, more secure employment. Uh, they're planning to protest outside the warehouse on one of the busiest fulfillment days of the year, joined by engineers from uh, the Amazon employees for climate justice group. I mean, it is this trade-off, isn't it? We talk about UX. We want convenience. Amazon does it brilliantly. And I am an Amazon Prime customer. Okay. So it'd be entirely hypocritical of me to, to, to sit here on this podcast and say, don't use Amazon because I do all the time. But maybe we should just pause and ask ourselves, should we? I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's an it's an amazing thing when when people band together to 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 beat the man you know to to shove the middle finger up at 
uh, injustice and I've always always got time for that and it's it's just one of those horrible things you know we talk about within tech and within our lives now convenience and Amazon has become the most convenient tech company there is you know you're talking about buying something and having it in your house the next day and it, it it's it's upsetting that you know people have got to the stage where they need to strike on on prime day but that's when it's going to work that's when it's going to have an impact and i just hope mm-hmm. that they listen to their staff rather than replace them with robots <laughs> yeah i mean look there there are so minnesota we talked about um there's lots of protests planned in germany um, the Verge today have, have kind of likened it to, you know, is taking advantage of the flash, flash sale akin to crossing the picket line? Oh, it's kind of feel like that. Are, are we getting yeah. to this point where our relationship with Amazon is a bit like that? You know, it's, it's, it's the dirty secret. Like, let's talk about sustainable businesses. Let's talk about tech for good. But I shop on Amazon. It's, it's one of those things. Uh, the, the one thing I can do is I wish everyone who's protesting or everyone who's helping it the, the very best of luck because this is basic entitlement that they're after. And I think... But then know, should we be supporting them? Should we be saying, you know what? I, need- I, I, I'm, I am going to use Prime. Fine. But do I have to... Do I have to today and tomorrow? Dave... It's it, there's there's no right answer. Uh, maybe I should boycott Prime Day, but then I'll, again I'll be using Amazon Prime Video later to watch The Office on. So mm-hmm. it's all feed. It, it, uh, this is the problem with big tech. It's got to a point now where it's it's too big to to quit almost. And you know, you, you, I saw last week um, Steve was is it Steve Wozniak from mm-hmm. Apple or ex co-founder Apple saying get off of Facebook now. You know, get out while you can. And it's it's too late for a lot of people, you know, like Facebook is a means for communication, but it's also going to, you know, potentially sell all of our data to wherever. But question and- for the audience though, right? You know, last question to finish the pod on, uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at tech underscore talks and tell us what you think, you know, is, is this now too much of a, of a dirty secret that you can't ignore? Should we be getting off Amazon? Tell, tell me and Jack, whether or not there are some alternatives out there that, offer a comparable service that we can feel a little bit more okay mm-hmm. i feel good about this you know yeah and while or you're less, at it if less, anyone's less not so good <laughs> if anyone's got yeah if anyone's got any links to cheap ipads send them over as well because that'll, <laughs> that'll make me avoid prime video no i don't like it. i never uh, look this is my issue but i've never trusted ebay well, look, as, as the article says, you know, if you want to watch Fleabag and get free shipping at discount stocks, why shouldn't you? Well, well that's the thing. Maybe it's convenient. Some, maybe sometimes there's a price to pay. Anyway, uh, with that, Jack, um, we're going to see each other on Wednesday and Thursday, right? Yes. Yes. We, we'll record. And then I'll, um, I'll come down to Unbound. It's just w- what time that is. It might be after work. It might be a little bit early. It depends what time I can get away. I'm excited for Unbound. Obviously, Jack. Yeah gonna not bother watching me on stage on thursday but if you're at unbound on thursday 2 30 world tech save the world leads into 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 that from that last conversation quite neatly but until then goodbye bye-bye